Your favorite hockey team is knee-deep in doo-doo heading into its game tonight. And they've moved the five-foot-six waiver claim kid to the second line alongside Evgeny Malkin. If I sound excited about that, good morning to you, huh? Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of the other two teams in town that I cover. Those, of course, being the Steelers and the Pirates. Penguins versus Islanders tonight. PPG Paints Arena. 7.08 p.m. faceoff. I'll be there covering it for DK Pittsburgh Sports. Hope you have a chance to Download our free app and open that up and read some of the stuff that I write on a very regular basis, almost all of which is hockey right about now, I should add. I'm not going to pound this Phillips issue on any individual level. I don't know much about him. I don't know any more about him than you do, to be honest. I know that he might be, probably is, the smallest player in the league. I know that. Although he's scored a lot in the AHL, that so did Jansen Harkins. One doesn't necessarily lead to the other. In fact, more often than not, it doesn't. I know that he didn't impress at all in his Pittsburgh debut the other night, either overpassing or passing the puck not once but twice back out of the Pittsburgh zone to center red. The other thing that I know is this really isn't the time for that type of tinkering, or, if I'm really being honest here, that type of player, let alone to be placed in such a prominent role. As I see it, you have to have someone flanking Gino who's at least capable of scoring, and while I'm very much in favor of Riley Smith getting demoted to the third line, as also happened yesterday at practice, It'd be a whole lot better if someone was placed on the right side next to your other resident superstar who might be able to mesh with him and create with him. Now, if this sounds like I'm about to go off on one of my Valtteri Pustinen tangents, a little bit, but not all that much. Look, Pustinen hasn't helped himself. He has a wonderful shot, but he never uses it. We've had this conversation, he and I, and I've asked why he hasn't been letting it go and he he kind of avoids the question as opposed to answering it. Maybe that's because he's still a little bit too intimidated by all the big names around him, which I'd guess is part of it. And maybe it's because he thinks he's shooting more than he is. Well, he isn't. But here's what he is doing. The other night in Chicago, I thought he was one of the Penguins' more effective forwards at puck pursuit and puck possession. Now, that did not end up showing itself tangibly in his advanced metrics, and I'll respect that, and maybe my eyes were playing tricks on me, but I saw him get to a lot of pucks that other guys wouldn't get to. And I'll remind that hockey's analytics are still so crude that about 99% of them are based on shot attempts. Really, they don't have who held the puck the longest or where they were in the zone, or at least not easily accessible, they don't. Pustin and Fit pretty nicely on a line with Lars Eller and Jesse Pogliarvi, 
And they made some things happen. Yeah, it was against the Blackhawks and everything's got to be taken with a grain of salt when it's a terrible team like that. But, but, at least it happened. At least you weren't basing your decision on hope. And oh, by the way, at least you weren't operating from a stance that's rooted in stubbornness. And what I mean by that, more than anything, is that yes, this team does need to score more. Yes, this team does need a power play that isn't an utter embarrassment. But another thing that this team needs, and I'd argue it needs as much of this as anything else, is for the bottom six, the third and fourth lines, to exist. I mean, I could say that about the second line as well, right? And if you're not going to get scoring, and it appears that's going to be difficult to come by, you might as well get something. So if Pustinen's out there chasing pucks, consider that a plus. If someone comes up from Wilkes-Barre Scranton and bangs a few bodies, consider that a plus. At least it's something. It's not just this endless series of Jeff Carter-esque shifts where the player comes over the boards, achieves nothing, kills some clock, and then goes right back. And you go, what was he even doing out there? But that's what's happened with the bottom six very respectfully omitting Lars Eller from that assessment. And the rest of these guys just go out there and do the Carter thing. And I look, I hope this, this, what was his name again? Phillips. I hope he does great. I hope he sticks it in my face. I hope that tomorrow's show is all about the awesomeness of Phillips. See, I forgot his first name. So now he's like a soccer guy. He's just Phillips. I will eat crow. I will do it for 17 minutes straight on this show. We'll even skip the ads. You'll just hear me munching on crow. But I don't think so. And I don't think this team is doing anything, certainly not anything meaningful, toward addressing shortcomings that appear to be so, so obvious to the remainder of known civilization. When we come back, J1Q... J1Q comes from Bob, who says, DK, uh, J1Q I've been meaning to ask, in the current NHL, you do see stars killing penalties. And I know Mario Lemieux did, and probably Yarmir Yager, too. Why don't Sid or Gino work the PK? Obviously, there's a threat of injury, but also the threat of offense. Uh, Yager didn't kill many penalties. And you know what? Mario didn't really either. Mario did it. I mean, Mario had 13 shorthanded goals in one season. Let me repeat that for you. We say Mario stuff, and we just kind of skim past it like it's normal. Mario had 13 shorthanded goals in a season. Yeah. Okay. So when I say that he didn't kill penalties, I mean that he didn't do it his whole career. And I don't even know that he necessarily enjoyed it. But he did do it, and when he did commit to defending, as Scotty Bowman once famously spoke, he was the best defensive forward in the game, too, because he could do – he just just the best at everything, okay? 
Why don't Sid and Gino kill penalties? It's been toyed with. It's been tried. I happen to feel that Gino in particular with his his reach and his career-long ability to generate takeaways at an elite level. He's one of the all-time leaders in that stat since the NHL began tracking it. Would have been really, really good at this. However, the thing that works against both Sid and Gino in this equation is that Mike Sullivan's penalty killing system is aligned for the forwards to block shots. He doesn't have them lying down and eating pucks the way Kevin Constantine once did. For those of you who go way back with this team, he would just bring up guys from the minors who knew they had no chance to stick in the NHL except that they could eat pucks for this guy. And they did. And they were bruised and beaten. And some of it was ugly. And yeah, I'm going to change that subject. What you can't have, what you can't afford with this organization is to have Sid or Gino just take a shot off the skate and be out for six weeks because that's all it takes to fracture a bone in the foot and you can't put any pressure on it. You've got no choice but to be off of it. It took some doing for Sullivan to get back to having Brian Rust out there. Sullivan has referred to Rust as being a superb penalty killer, one of the best in the league. And yet, if you go back to last season, he really didn't use him because he really didn't want to use him because that was his first liner. This year, they've gone back to that in an attempt to get their overall PK numbers up. And their PK has been pretty decent, has been great. And Rust's a big, big part of that. But yeah, you already figured out why. On top of everything else, if Sid or Gino are going to get 21, 22 minutes a game, and that's been the case for them for a while now, you want those 21 to 22 minutes to be in offensive positions. That means being sent onto the rink for offensive zone face-offs. That definitely means being at your best five-on-five and power plays. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow, even if you even if you don't want it. We're still just going to do one. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.